The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Jacob Gold, who is a certified financial planner based in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, his firm is called Jacob Gold and Associates, and he's also the author of a new book called Financial Intelligence, Getting Back to Basics After an Economic Meltdown. Welcome to the show, Jacob. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Let's just get a little bit of your background first before we get into the book and so on. Just give a sense of your background as a financial planner, what your clients are about, and why you wanted to do a book like this. Sure, absolutely. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm actually a third-generation financial advisor. My grandfather and father were both advisors, and uh, ever since I was a little one, I remember going to their offices and uh, just understanding what they were doing and how they were helping individuals, and I wanted a part of that. Uh, so I graduated from Arizona State University, uh, became a certified financial planner, Planner and uh, quickly started my own firm, Jacob Golden Associates. And there are seven of us here at Jacob Golden Associates, and our primary focus is managing wealth for individuals as well as corporations. We manage a lot of 401ks for institutions, uh, so we do a lot of educational programs for their employees as well as actively managing their mutual funds within their platform. So our business is really divided in two parts, on the individual side as well as on the side of, of, of managing assets for corporations. But my overall goal for writing this book was, you know, it's, it is very clear that uh, even with the abundance of financial information that is readily available to everyone, uh, there definitely is a lack of solid financial advice for individuals. And that individual could be someone that is just starting their career or could be an executive at a major institution or major corporation. Uh, there is a lot of... Um, of confusion that people have, and especially since 2008, there's been a lot of uh, frustration and confusion, and uh, it's been a paralyzing situation for a lot of individuals, and many individuals just need to get back to basics, understand the basic philosophy and and uh, uh, and strategies of managing wealth from the beginning all the way to the end. And, and I mentioned that the executives need education as well, because a lot of times when we're working with executives of corporations, uh, there's a certain level of perhaps ego or pride that they don't want to necessarily announce to their uh, their staff or to individuals that they don't know perhaps all of the basics of money management. And so the book is just a very nice guide to help individuals uh, of all socioeconomic uh, levels to understand how to manage money and how to get past what we just went through. And as I was writing the book, it, it really took me about two and a half years, and I was finalizing it around October of last year, and I realized that it needed to be more than just uh, a, per, a personal financial guide. It needed to be something that was very time-sensitive and address 
the major issues that we experienced this last year. So I went back and really cultivated it and made some updates to it so it could really help people uh, get back on track after that 100-year flood that we just went through. In the beginning of the book, you have kind of a timeline of some of the most important events that happened in the last year or so. You know, without going through all these, what are some of the most traumatic events that happened and, and how have people reacted to them on the financial front? That's a great question. I think, in my personal opinion, is that the financial world changed in September of last year. There were a lot of horrible events that happened prior to September 14th and 15th. But when Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy, that changed the rules of the game going forward. And overnight, there was a complete freeze in the credit markets, and the economy went off a cliff. And so if there is any time period in our lifetime that I think will be studied for decades to come in economic classes. It will be the month of September in 2008. In one week, we had Lehman Brothers file for bankruptcy and AIG taking $85 billion from the U.S. government as a, as a bailout. Uh, that week changed uh, our lives really forever, and hopefully once this economy does get back on track, which we're starting to see some subtle signs that it's doing so, uh, our country and our financial system will be stronger than ever because of the lessons that we've learned uh, this, this last year. But I would say September of last year, without a doubt, stands apart from anything else. What were the basic causes of this financial crisis? I mean, some people say it was uh, speculative investment in, in housing, uh, over-leveraged. A lot of people have different reasons, but what do you think was the root cause that, that ended up having uh, Lehman go under and Bear Stearns and so on? Well, you, you can't say that there's just kind of one direct cause, but there, there definitely, it, it was a perfect uh, tsunami storm of, of multiple um, issues that were going on. From subprime, of course, was an issue, but the biggest thing for Lehman Brothers as well as AIG were the credit default swaps, and, and people don't really uh, comprehend what a credit default swap is or was this last year. It was basically an insurance policy an individual institution could buy in the case of a company going under. So if I was fearful that uh, GE was going to go under, I could go to an AIG and pay them a premium every year that would pay me if GE went under. And, and every year I would pay that premium for, in essence, that um, that compensation if GE were to go under. And what AIG realized is that, one, they were charging way too little for their credit default swaps, and too many of the companies that they were insuring against bankruptcy did, in fact, uh, face bankruptcy or their stock price came down drastically. Uh, you add on to that the, the, the enormous amount of short sailing into the marketplace as well as the speculation with oil. Uh, those would be the main issues of what created this financial tsunami. Uh, and if it wasn't for Lehman and AIG, I really think that uh, we would have experienced a year very much like 73 or 74. Uh, but with the perils of Lehman Brothers and AIG happening at once, uh, it really um, put the economy into a tailspin. It didn't help as well that we were going through a presidential election. I mean, we had the, the debates going on in September and October, and when you, hear, when you heard McCain and Obama 
comparing this recession to the Great Depression, it only created more fear in individuals, and people really hunkered down and stopped spending. Uh, and that's really when the, the economy went off the cliff. It almost became a self-fulfilled prophecy. And, and of course, the, you know, the, the media didn't help as well. Uh, so all of this just created that perfect storm, which we all can look back on and, and say, wow, we hope we never have to experience anything like that again uh, because there were so many moving parts. And it was really quite scary for, for everybody out there. Could it have been avoided had they known, if, if they knew what they know now, are there th- steps that the federal authorities could have done, could have taken to uh, avoid all that? Uh, I don't think about. I, I don't think that they could have avoided it, but I think that they could have made it less severe. Uh, you know, everything is cyclical, and we will always have periods of time where the economy is booming, and there is a period of time where the economy is finding a trough. So there are natural cyclical cycles, but it was almost as if this recession, which was part of the cycle, was just injected with a, a steroid, and it just became much more monstrous than it than it could have been or should have been. But to avoid it, I think that it, it would have been unlikely. Uh, housing had such a huge upside swing that everything has to revert back to its it's mean, and there had to be a reversion. Uh, it's just that reversion was awfully steep, and it penetrated all sectors of the economy. I mean, not very often do you see stocks, bonds, and real estate all in one year down double digits. Uh, that just does not happen, and this definitely was uh, the worst recession since the Great Depression, but still there, there is no comparison to the Great Depression and what we're living through today. There are, there are a uh, number of differences, and this recession is, like I said, much like 73-74 on steroids, uh, but it is the worst since the Great Depression. Now, your book is, is trying to help people to navigate through what you call an economic meltdown here. What in, in, in your clients and in the people you deal with has been kind of the psychological impact of what happened in 2008? Well, I definitely feel that investors across the board now fully understand what risk is. You know, when the markets are going up, uh, it's, it, you can't confuse uh, talent with, with, uh, with luck. I mean, when the markets are going up, everybody can make money. And the more aggressive you are, the more money you will make. And so there, there was an uh, unrealistic expectation of what risk was. And I think everyone has realized that this last year that perhaps they are much more conservative than they had originally assumed. So if, if, if the lesson was, if there was one lesson that was to be learned this last year, it is that someone needs to be well diversified and take on less risk going forward than they have in the past. And now, we've had, lately the stock market's been on a tear here, so have people Remembered that lesson, or have they forgotten and just kind of thrown caution to the winds and putting money into the market now? You know, it's almost a crapshoot. I mean, you have some people that have a very short-term memory, uh, and they want to get involved, and they want to get that upside of the markets. But I would say, as a whole, most people, they're still licking their wounds from last year. And uh, what we're cautioning everybody to do is to really step back from this situation and look at the economy over the next 18 months. And although we are starting to see signs that things are slowly improving, there are going to be a lot of unpleasant surprises ahead of us. 
and there are going to be some swings in the marketplace. And so I think it would be unwise of somebody at this point to put all their chips in and, and go aggressive and get back to an aggressive strategy. We are seeing improvements, but we need to be cautious in how we slowly get back on track. And that's what we try to cover in in the book. There is no quick buck that can be made in, in this world. Uh, if... If money was easy to be made, if money was easy to make, then um, you know we probably wouldn't have this radio show today. And with with everything, if you're going to create wealth, it takes time, it takes patience, it takes a strategy, and you have to be uh, as emotionless as possible. In the first chapter of uh, the book, and again, I'm speaking with Jacob Gold. Uh, his book is called Financial Intelligence: Getting Back to Basics After an Economic Meltdown. Your first chapter is about retirement and what retirement means to you. Uh, what are some of the things that people should look at as far as what retirement means to them? Well, one thing is what people were expecting retirement to be uh, two years ago. Most definitely it's going to be different going forward. Uh, if someone was planning to retire in five years, they may want to reconsider and they may want to work for seven years. Uh, to be able to really make sure that they have enough money working for them. Because the one thing you don't want to happen is you don't want to run out of money before you run out of life. Once you retire, you pull that switch or you, you pull that trigger and there's no going back. Uh, you can't get out of corporate America for five, ten years, and if things don't go your way, you decide to get back into corporate America. You really need to make sure that going into retirement, uh, you have enough money to last your entire life, uh, assuming a modest rate of return on your investments. And so with that being said, if we can push out retirement by a couple of years, it gives us more time to put money away um, and, and build up that, that excess reserve. Um, so if, if nothing else, retirement planning going forward will be assuming a lower rate of return and perhaps working a couple of extra years. And I'd much rather have you work a couple extra years and when you retire you know with a, with, without a shadow of a doubt that you will be fine financially than retiring a couple of years too early and realizing when you're in your 70s that you can't keep up with inflation and your lifestyle is um, decreasing every year. That, in fact, is what's happening to a lot of people, right? They're retiring earlier, sometimes voluntarily, sometimes involuntarily, uh, and they're re relying more and more on Social Security. A lot of them do not have pensions, and they're finding they are going to run out of money before they run out of time. It, it, that's, that's true, and, and it's an awfully uh, sad situation when you come across that. You know, for the younger investors, they have time for their portfolios to get back to, to where they once were. Uh, but for those individuals that are planning to retire or just retired, uh, their situation and their pain uh, could last a lifetime. Okay, uh, I'm going to uh, take a break now. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jacob Gold, whose new book is called Financial Intelligence, Getting Back to Basics After an Economic Meltdown. And we'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Mark of the Fraud by Royd Head. Hear more at don'tbeanasterisk.com. Brought to you by Ad Council and the U.S. Olympic Committee. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is uh, J- Jacob Gold, uh, who is the Certified Financial Planner at Jacob Gold & Associates in Scottsdale, Arizona. His new book is called Financial Intelligence, Getting Back to Basics After an Economic Meltdown. Welcome back to the show, Jacob. Thank you for having me. You talk about the uh, five most common retirement planning mistakes that people make. Uh, let's start with the first one, which is not taking full advantage of 401ks. Why do people do that? Well, you know, the, the 401k is single-handedly one of the best investments for individuals, especially if there's a company match. And I feel that a lot of people just don't take advantage of that company match op- opportunity. If, if there's a company out there that's matching dollar for dollar up to 3% of someone's pay, well, that individual needs to be putting at least 3% into that, into that 401k to take advantage of that match. And also what we have in this day and age, too, is, and it's fairly new to the marketplace, is the Roth 401k. And it's a way for individuals to put after-tax dollars in their 401k and have the growth be 100% tax-free. 
So I think that the 401k is a huge opportunity for people to create wealth, but many individuals just don't take advantage of it because perhaps they haven't managed their cash flow properly and and perhaps they are paying down debt and uh, trying to get their their financial house in order when if there's a match there, you should always be taking advantage of that match at the very least. Although a lot of companies are cutting out matches or even stopping the 401k altogether, what what should you do if, if your company has stopped the match? Well, if the company has stopped a match and you do have some credit card debt, uh, I would say absolutely focus on paying down that credit card debt. Uh, I'm very anti-debt, as, as my readers can imagine as they, they go through my book. And uh, if there is credit card debt there and there isn't a match, uh, you need to focus on paying off that credit card debt first. But if, if the company temporarily suspends the match, gets rid of the match entirely or gets rid of the 401k entirely. If you don't have credit card debt, you should look at other instruments to invest in. Um, But if there is that that debt there, you should focus on paying off that debt. And you never know. That company may reintroduce the match six months from now, three months from now. But don't give up on the 401k if the company just temporarily suspends the match because they can – very quickly reincorporate that match, and, and you want to always be there and take advantage of that match. Your second uh, myth is that uh, people neglect to prepare retirement income and expense projections. Is that because it's just so difficult to do to know what's what's going to happen you know, 20 or 30 years from now so they don't do it at all? You know, it, that alone is, is a huge hurdle. Uh, for a lot of individuals not knowing what their medical expenses will be, not knowing what inflation will be. Uh, but even more simple than that, people just don't know really what's coming into the house and what's going out. And so, you know, the first chapter we start talking about cash flow, and it's all about managing your cash flow, knowing your fixed costs, knowing your variable costs, and just managing it. And, you know, budget is is kind of a, a bad word, and people don't like to be on a budget. But a budget doesn't need to be um, so difficult for an individual of saying you can only spend X number of dollars a month on entertainment or X number of dollars a month on clothes. What, what we consider a budget is just tracking your expenses uh, and getting a Microsoft money or getting a Quicken and syncing all of your credit cards and your bank statements and so forth to it, and then just every month categorizing all of your expenses. And the reports within these software programs are, are so unique that it will tell you by category where your money's going. And if you can follow that for a couple of months, you'll definitely improve uh, on some of your problem areas. And maybe you are spending a little bit too much in one area, and just naturally you'll be able to see that trend and overcompensate for that. So, you know, it, it, it starts and ends with cash flow and projecting your cash flow tomorrow as well as your cash flow and expenses 20 years from now. Uh, but that is a, a very big issue that many people don't take the time to address. But in general, you're saying that they overestimate over, uh, their income and underestimate their expenses in retirement. Is that what typically happens? Absolutely. And so what should they do about that to be more realistic? Well, you know, you, you want to have various software programs analyzing the, the probability of success. So if you're taking income from your IRAs or your 401Ks, don't be assuming that you will be able to take out 8% per year. Maybe assume 5% and then uh, compensate your expenses based off of that 5%. Never spend more money than is coming in. And if anything, underestimate the amount of money that will be coming to you for the rest of your life. 
and realizing that as time goes on and inflation begins to become an issue for you, you will have to do without in certain areas. Uh, but it, the, unfortunately, there is no simple path of just saying someone needs to do this or that. It's a combination of a lot of different tools and, and counseling, whether it's from a financial advisor uh, or a certified financial planner, some type of counseling on having a realistic expectation of retirement. Your third uh, myth is that people expect Social Security to cover all their needs at retirement. Um, it was, the program was never designed that way for sure. Uh, and I hear a lot of people are living on 90% or more of their income is from Social Security. Is that something that is, is still common these days? It is very common. Uh, you know, when Social Security was introduced back in 1934, it was never intended to be the sole retirement asset. It's, it was intended to be a supplement, and, and that was all. Um, and, of, and, of course, the younger someone is right now, the less they should assume Social Security will be a part of their retirement. Uh, so expecting the government to provide income for you uh, to satisfy your, your needs is, is unrealistic. If anything, especially if someone is 45 years of age or younger, we try to assume that Social Security won't be a part of their retirement. And if they do get anything from Social Security, that's just going to be gravy for them. Um, but you should not depend on anybody or any institution or any government to provide you a standard of living. And so you just need to have realistic expectations and know that Social Security over the next 20 years is going to change. It may not change for those that are collecting right now, but in some shape or form, there needs to be some type of reform, whether that's taxing more or waiting longer to get benefits, or discounting more if someone takes it out early, um, there is going to be reform, and we should calculate the possibilities of these changes inside a retirement plan. Your fourth myth is that people accept early retirement offers from their employers without thinking it through. What should you look through, think through when you're uh, contemplating taking an early retirement offer? Well, one thing that always sticks out for me and I always talk to people about is that if you're being offered an early retirement package um, and there are some health issues there, you need to make sure that you're going to have health insurance, at least until you turn 65 when you can go on Medicare. Uh, that's really important for individuals. I have a lot of clients that individually are, are very well off financially and they could afford to retire earlier, but for whatever reason, if it's health uh, they are still working, whether it's part-time or full-time, just to get that health benefit. But also in these early retirement packages, uh, there might be income there for the next three years or five years. Uh, but we have to realize that our life expectancy is much longer than our parents and our grandparents. When our parents and grandparents retired, many of them maybe lived five, ten years. And many of us are going to have more years being retired than we actually had working. And so you have to really not just look at this retirement package as something to provide you income for the next 10 years or 15 years. You may need to take it out three years. Uh, so to have, a, once again, a realistic expectation of, is this early retirement going to provide me everything that I need medically and financially, uh, that's, a, that's a big uh, task to have uh, that pre-retirement or early retirement package to cover all of that. And in most cases, it isn't enough. 
And so we'd much rather have someone to take that early retirement option and then still go get another job elsewhere uh, until they do turn 65 if they don't have uh, enough money set aside for retirement or if there is a medical issue. And, you know, the difficult thing, and, and I address this um, quite a bit in my book, is there is no simple solution that is appropriate for everyone. And that is the reason why I, I entitled the book Financial Intelligence. The, the more education you have, uh, financially speaking, the more informed your decisions can be based around your situation. Uh, and I think that's very important for people to understand that the pros and cons to every investment out there, the pros and cons to various government programs, to the pros and cons of, of retirement. So understanding all the ramifications of that and then really bringing it to yourself personally. And then your fifth one is uh, failing to take out required minimum distribution start at age 70 and a half. Is it people just aren't aware of it? They don't want to take the money out? Why are they not doing that? Yeah, you know, it's a steep penalty. Uh, if you decide to, whether it's through neglect or uh, through an intention of not taking the money out, if you do not take money out after 70 and a half, the required minimum distribution that the government gives you, it is a 50% penalty. And so everybody needs to take that money out, whether they need it or not. A lot of people, if they don't have that financial intelligence, they look at their 401K or their IRA, and they say, you know what, I don't want to pull money out of this IRA because, one, maybe I don't need it, or, two, I don't want it to create a taxable event. So they just leave it there and they don't take it out. Little do they know that they would have a 50% penalty on the amount that they were supposed to take out. So it's always better to take that required minimum distribution out. And if you don't need that money, you can then reinvest that money into another type of investment. But always, always take your RMDs. You also talk about in the uh, chapter about planning for the game of life, as you call it, uh, you have a kind of a quick evaluation uh, form here. What are some of the things you need to evaluate yourself uh, to see if you can do correct financial planning? Well, one, and it's more apparent than ever, is is your health situation. If you are going to be retiring prior to 65 and a half, where are you going to get health coverage? Are you going to get it from your employer? Are you going to be on COBRA for 18 months? Are you going to get an individual plan? That is one of the most important things that you need to look at. But then also look at your different sources of retirement. You're going to have pre-tax retirement. You're going to have after-tax retirement. And you need to grab your arms around your fixed and variable expenses. So all of that is something that you need to take into into consideration. Okay, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jacob Gold, uh, who is the author of a new book called Financial Intelligence, Getting Back to Basics After an Economic Meltdown. Uh, His firm is called Jacob Gold & Associates, based in Scottsdale, Arizona. And we'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to 
to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Mike check, one, two. Big poser coming to you fake yeah. ever. Got no more games since nah. I got with the juice. Uh-uh. No cruising with my friends, they cut me loose. Now my coach is hating, parents keep berating. Good thing my team's still behind me saying. Hey, yo, what happened to my teammates, man? Yo, where y'all at, man? Come on, man. I thought we were family. Uh, don't be a poser. Hear more at don'tbeanasterisk.com. Brought to you by Ad Council and the U.S. Olympic Committee. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jacob Gold, who's a certified financial planner in the Scottsdale, Arizona area. His new book is called Financial Intelligence, Getting Back to Basics After an Economic Meltdown. Welcome back to the show, Jacob. Thank you for having me. And tell people your email, uh, your website as well, so they can find yeah, out. Yeah, the website for financial intelligence, financial intelligence is www.jacobgoldbooks.com. Uh, and from there, the, I have a, a daily blog that people can follow. You can also buy the book directly through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, and it's just kind of a fun little website. We also, all the, the worksheets that I have in the book, we have available online so people can go to our website and actually download those worksheets uh, and really help them manage their cash flow and, and use some of those spreadsheets that I put together. Great. Uh, one of your chapters is on debt management. You call it a difficult task. You go through all the different kinds of debt. What, what are some of the problems that people are getting into with debt these days? Well, I... I one thing that's important for people to realize is that having credit is is a privilege, and uh, a lot of people have just felt this si- this sense of entitlement that they deserve to have credit and that they should be able to use it freely at any time. And credit is a privilege, and we need to respect it and honor it. And I feel the last 10 years the American population has gone away from managing their debt appropriately. I mean, there was a point in time not too long ago where people were using the equity in their home as a a personal ATM and just spending money uh, beyond their, um, their needs. 
And unfortunately, when you go to one side of the pendulum, it always has to go on to the other side before it finds somewhere in the middle. And in September, when uh, Lehman Brothers went under, credit was, in essence, frozen uh, from there all the way into 2009. And a lot of people were cut off, and they really had to learn to live without credit and, and not having that sense of security from equity from their home or that line that is available to them through their credit card. And, you know, I remember one of the first things that my father and grandfather used to tell me was never spend more than, than you make. And too many times Americans over the last 10 years or the last several decades, uh, for every dollar they were making, they were spending a dollar and two cents or a dollar and three cents and be living beyond their means. So if someone really wants to get back on track and, and, and plan for their financial future, they need to get their debt, um, their debt household in check. And they need to, whether it's restructuring their debt or just solely focus on paying down their debt, perhaps they have to downsize their home uh, and live in something that's more modest so they're able to save money and pay down their debt. Many times, if there is credit card debt, in order to pay off that credit card debt, you have to make drastic changes to your lifestyle. You can't just pay the minimums and try to throw a couple of hundred dollars more every month to it to pay down that debt. Interest rates are too high to do that. You really have to just restructure your entire life to get that debt paid off. Do you see the credit crunch getting better or worse uh, going forward, uh, particularly in light of this new credit card bill that's uh, been signed into law? Well, you know, I think it's it's good in the aspect that people realize that they need to be proactive and they need to pay down their credit card debt. Otherwise, they'll be paying up the nose in interest rate fees. Uh, you just you just can't pay the minimums and, and have that, that debt paid off. So I think as far as the awareness goes, uh, it, it's good that people realize that uh, credit cards are a privilege and that they need to manage that and they need to pay off their debt. And if they owe more than 50% on one credit card, uh, that's going to hurt their credit score. Uh, and it's also going to hurt them getting other credit cards. So managing that debt is very important. So I think the credit crunch, we're going to still feel the pain of the credit crunch until unemployment figures start to come down, even though we, we did see it come down 10 basis points this last week. Uh, that's not to say that we can expect unemployment to continue to go down from here on out because unemployment is a lagging indicator. So it may be lagging the economy by six to eight months. And as long as unemployment is higher than historical averages, I think the credit crunch uh, will still be apparent and still hurt a lot of people that are not prepared for it. You have what you call a debt solvency worksheet, uh, 10 basic questions that people should ask. Why don't you just briefly go through those questions and what people should get out of using that worksheet? Well, the, the worksheet overall, the, the overall objective is, is just to help people, one, understand what their debt situation looks like. Too many people out there, they know they have credit card debt and they know they have debt in three, four, five different companies, but they're afraid to look at it as a whole. Uh, and I know countless people that they don't even want to know how much they owe on these credit cards. And the first step to, to get back to uh, a certain level of, of normalcy and managing your financial affairs is knowing what you're dealing with, so to, to really look at the big picture. Uh, but, to, but to go through the, the debt solvency is just a, a way for individuals to help uh, themselves get that credit card paid off. 
why don't you just briefly go through what the ten questions are that people should be asking themselves to see if they're under control or not with their debt. Sure, absolutely. Um, I'm just going to reference the, the book 71. itself. And so it's a chapter, chapter 5. Page 71. Page 71. Great, Jordan. <laughs> All right, so we have the, the ten basic steps. One, the first question is, do you have more than 20% of your take-home pay that is used for credit card payments? And I think that that's important for people to, to, to wrap their arms around. Is too much of their net income going to service debt? And if it's over 20%, that answer is yes. Uh, you, you really need to, to lower uh, the amount of money that is going to, to credit card debt. And the best way to do that is by throwing chunks at it and, and paying it down. Uh, number two, are you charging more each month? Um, are you adding to the amount that you owe? And that's, that's also the first step, is people realizing that, okay, I have this credit card debt. I don't want to add any more to this credit card, so maybe what I do is I start using my debit ATM card. Uh, and so then if, if I don't have money in my checking account, I can't purchase that, that, uh, that item at the drugstore. And so it's important not to add more to the debt. So manage what you have and don't add to it every month. And then three, have you received calls from credit card companies because of paying your, your payment late? Uh, that's a big thing. Of course, you, you hear all the time someone saying, oh, I owe 30000 in credit card debt, but my credit card company loves me and my, my credit score is, is $750. Well, you know, as long as you're paying your payments on time, your credit card company actually loves you because they're, they're making money off of you. People like you and I, where we pay off our credit cards every single month in full, that credit card company is not making money off of us. They're making their money off of people that are charging more than they can afford to pay. And, and so, yeah, as long as you're paying your payments on time, that credit card company is going to love you. But as soon as you start missing a payment or two, not only is it going to drastically negatively affect uh, your credit score, but you're going to be inundated with calls, and those companies are no longer going to want to issue you new lines of credit. Um, are you impulsive in your buying is, is number four. Do you, when you get depressed or, or you're sad, do you go to the mall and, and purchase a, uh, a pair of shoes or, or a tie that maybe you, you shouldn't and, and you use it to, to help get through some type of, of emotional pain? Uh, if that is the case, then maybe we need to focus our energy on something else besides just spending money to, to ease the pain, to take the edge off. Uh, five, are you approaching the limit on your credit card? Um, you know, if you have a problem where every month you're putting more and more expenses on your credit card and your limit is certain, a certain threshold, there will be a point in time where you have no more credit available. And it's much better to get your financial affairs in order prior to maxing out those credit cards because at that point you're really left with no options. Uh, six, do you find yourself paying only the minimum payments? If you're paying just the minimum payments, once again, you might need to change your lifestyle. You might need to downsize your house. You might need to take a second job, start delivering some pizzas on the weekend, whatever it may be, just to penetrate that amount that you owe. Just don't pay the minimums. If you're just paying the minimums, you're going broke safely. Uh, seven, have you defaulted on a mortgage or rent payment? Uh, that's just, uh, unfortunately, that's something that is more common in this day and age. Um, and you hear all the time of, of people that perhaps have sold their house short or have foreclosed on a house. Uh, and no matter what somebody says, that is 
never something you want to do unless you have no other option. And I think that that's important. And that really confirms the book. Having that financial intelligence, knowing your options and knowing what's available to you is, is half the battle. Uh, number eight, are you uncertain about how much money you owe? Like I said, people try to, you know, they know there's going to be some pain there and it's going to be more than uh, perhaps they emotionally can handle. So they have four or five different credit cards and altogether they have no idea really what they owe. And you need to face the reality of the fact that you are in debt. And the first step in, in realizing that you're in debt is to find out how much you owe. But you'd be surprised on how many people really just do not know how much they owe altogether. Uh, and then number nine, uh, are you receiving cash advances? I mean, that's an issue. I mean, that's beyond um, being able to manage your cash flow. You need to be able to, on a monthly basis, spend everything that you make and no more than that. Ideally, we would love to have individuals save 10% of their income every month and put that, whether that's in a 401K or, or a Roth IRA or some type of 529 plan for their kids. But worst case scenario, you know, spending what you're making. But if you're taking advances out on your credit card for cash, we got some issues we need to deal with. And then last but not least is the balance in your savings account shrinking. Um, and if you're seeing that your savings account is shrinking because you're spending more than you're making and your credit card balances are going up, you need to face the music. You need to get back on track financially. Very helpful. I think people taking that test will sort of get a good sense of whether they're over their heads in, in debt or not. A lot of people are and don't want to particularly be facing it uh, these days. Exactly. All right, we're going to go to a break, and after this we're going to come back and talk more about investing. Uh, my guest this hour is Jacob Gold, uh, who's a certified financial planner in the Scottsdale, Arizona area. His new book is called Financial Intelligence, Getting Back to Basics After an Economic Meltdown. And we'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Think of the world. 
50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a wild ride. This show will make you feel good. And it's not even bad for you. You need your time to let loose. It's time for a feel-good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, it's called the biggest radio show in the world. Hosted by international personality and and pundit Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jacob Gold, who is a certified financial planner in the Scottsdale, Arizona area. Uh, His new book is called Financial Intelligence, Getting Back to Basics After an Economic Meltdown. Welcome back to the show, Jacob. Thank you for having me, Jordan. And again, tell them your uh, website where they can find out more about you in the book. Yeah, the, uh, my website for the book, Financial Intelligence, is www.jacobgoldbooks.com. And uh, from there, you can download worksheets from the book um, as well as see my uh, daily commentary of different articles that I come across in my daily research. And uh, we try to have it be a very user-friendly website. And, of course, from there, they can... Viewers can uh, link to Amazon or Barnes & Noble to, to purchase the book if they so desire. You have a, a chapter on the basics of mutual funds, and uh, I'll just briefly go over the different categories, and then we'll see where you have money today. Mm-hmm. Uh, stock and bond funds, money market funds, uh, aggressive stock funds of various types, more conservative ones, equity income funds. Uh, amongst the bond funds, you've got corporates, governments, munis, uh, convertibles. Uh, you've got various kinds of uh, specialized industry funds, Precious metals funds, asset allocation funds, and ETFs. For an average client who comes into you, what kind of an asset allocation, and where are you putting most of your clients' money these days? That's a great question. Well, you know, we we like the approach of being conservatively optimistic or cautiously optimistic about this economy. The, the stock is a leading indicator, uh, and we have seen that since March 9, which as of right now is the bottom of this recession. The markets are up over 50%. Uh, we still have a long ways to go before the Dow gets back to 14,000 plus. But nonetheless, we do think that we're starting to see some uh, areas of improvements. Uh, this last year, any type of trend investing uh, completely lost all credibility when the, the economy was, was going off of this cliff. So whatever trend somebody was following and based on that trend or that historical analysis they would buy or sell, uh, that really was not helpful this last year. Uh, and for individuals, when we take an approach to managing their money, we believe in being well-diversified and having a plethora of different investments, including bonds. We always tell individuals that 
stocks are our offense and bonds are our defense. The stocks are there to make us money long term. The bonds are able to to lighten the blow in the harshest of recessions. And even though bonds last year still took it on the chin, compared to stocks, they they were down substantially less in in most cases. Uh, So when an individual comes to us, we design a portfolio that consists of of stocks as well as bonds, and those stocks would be the large cap, the mid cap, the small cap, the international. The bonds would be the the corporates as well as the governments, uh, whether it's U.S. or or outside the U.S. When it when we're mostly with doing mutual bonds. funds, is that right? You're not Primarily doing... mutual funds, just to to have that level of diversification. Yeah. Uh, why why mutual funds instead of exchange traded funds? We do use uh, quite a few of exchange traded funds, ETFs. Um, and, and a lot of times if we'll go into an ETF in an area like a large cap growth arena where any type of large cap growth fund is going to have a lot of similarities to the S&P 500. And so if we, we are looking at managing uh, that style box by via Morningstar with the lowest cost, we'll look into that, that, that exchange-traded fund that's that specializes in that style box. When you're dealing more international as well as small and mid-cap, sometimes it really does make sense to pay for talent, to really be able to, to digest the opportunities that are present internationally as well as in the small and mid-cap arena. So we, we prefer active management in those arenas, but we, we very often will use exchange-traded funds as far as buying a uh, government bond portfolio or corporates, uh, or even in that large-cap growth arena. Why don't you give us the names of some of the funds that you like in the active management area, like uh, international funds you were mentioning or small-cap? What are some of the funds that you like to uh, recommend? Well, one fund that, that quite a few people have been using uh, for a diversified and, and a conservative approach is uh, T. Rowe Price Capital Appreciation. Uh, it would be considered a large-cap value fund. Uh, the manager is David Giroux. Uh, he's, he's done a phenomenal job, and it, it has anywhere from, depending on the, the, the climate and the, the time of year and, and market volatility, anywhere from 25 to 30% in bonds and the rest in stock. Uh, I feel that if an investor is trying to get into the marketplace, if for whatever reason they took a much more conservative approach than they realized they should have over the last 18 months, you don't want to make a drastic move from cash all the way back into stocks. And in many cases, what we're doing is we're telling people to dollar cost average over a 12-month time period back into a diversified program of using maybe a T. Rowe Price capital appreciation or a Talamos growth, which is a a mid-cap core fund uh, or like a third avenue value. These are funds that uh, offer a lot of alpha in the portfolios. Small, mid-cap, international, they tend to have a little bit more risk, so we try to create that natural hedge uh, by having more in corporate bonds and government bonds to offset some of that risk from small, mid, and international stocks. So we're all about managing risk. What are some of the specific international funds that you like? Uh, you know, we like Dodging Box International. That's a, a no-load international fund that has done quite well. Uh, Transamerica Multi-International Fund is is a good fund. Uh, Fidelity Diversified International. So there's there's a plethora of good international funds out there. You just know that, you know, with international comes a lot of risk. And so you need to hedge against that risk by having a decent amount in cash as well as corporate and government bonds. Your final chapter is on estate planning. In the little time we have left, what are some of the things that people should look out for 
estate planning that they're not taking care of now? Well, one thing, everybody needs to have at least a, a, a living will in place and a last will and testament and a, a durable power of attorney. These are simple documents that you can go online and within 10 minutes have it downloaded and filled out and, and have it signed. Depending on the state, you may need to get it notarized or not, but it, you need to have some type of legal document that says how you want your assets to be dispersed at your passing. If you don't have a simple will or trust out there, um, you really will have to have your entire estate be looked at through a, a, a microscope in the probate system. Some states, their probate system, like Arizona, uh, where I live, probate is not a real big issue for individuals. But if you go to a state like California, people try to stay away from probate at any cost. Uh, so it's very important for people to have at least a, a simple will in place. If not, if their situation is a little bit more complicated, perhaps there's uh, prior marriages with prior children or some businesses that are that will need to be sold, uh, you may want to look at uh, incorporating a, a living trust for yourself and, and your heirs. Uh, but everybody... Uh, needs to have some type of estate planning documents in their possession. It's something that nobody wants to think about. Nobody wants to think about death. But one thing that is, that is certain is that we all at some point in time are going to pass away. And we need to have those documents in place and also updated on a regular basis because uh, tax laws are constantly changing, uh, state planning laws are changing, so it needs to always be updated. Not every year, but you know, perhaps every couple of years uh, to be updated with the most current laws. Do, do you see big changes coming in the estate planning law as far as the tax rates and so on? Tax rates, yes. Uh, I definitely think that taxes five years from now, in my opinion, will be higher than they are today. Uh, I think that most people would would agree with that. As far as estate planning of of what will be considered part of the estate in determining the death tax, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of changes that naturally there are sunset laws in place that if they don't make any changes at all, changes will be made. Um, but, uh, yeah, there, there are always changes. Uh, the tax law, statistically speaking, changes, you know, every couple of years. And so we have to realize, and that's another thing for retirees to consider, is they might assume that they're in a 15% tax bracket now, but if tax laws change, they may be bumped up to a 23 or 25% tax bracket, and, and that takes money out of their pocket. So we have to be aware of all of the possibilities out there in retirement. Very good. Well, it's been fascinating. My guest this hour has been Jacob Gold, whose new book is called Financial Intelligence, Getting Back to Basics After an Economic Meltdown. Again, the website to find out more about it is jacobgoldbooks.com. Thanks so much for being on the show, Jacob. Thank you for having me, Jordan. And we'll be back again next week. This is Jordan Goodman. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.